Hello, this is Masajati. Welcome to my podcast, Exponential Intelligence. This is episode 142, Relationships. What destroys you, nourishes you. This is part of the abuse series, uh, abuse series fundamentals, second one uh, in a series of free talks uh, that I am doing before the actual uh, abuse uh, intensive coming up uh, beginning of the uh, year 2019. Now, as we did the call, uh, we got a lot. Of, we got some feedback saying, "Well, this was about relationships. Uh, it wasn't about abuse in relationships." And the reason why I designed the call that way is that to understand abuse, we actually have to understand what a true definition of a relationship is. Now, many of us have gotten, you know, a definition of relationships through, uh, you know, society standards or. Uh, you know, family values, family situations, the way we've, uh, the way we've been raised, uh, and a lot of times, although they might look normal to you, from an exponential intelligence perspective, uh, those relationships might not be normal. So, in this talk, I talk a lot about what a high-level relationship should look like from. An EI exponential intelligence definition and then you can compare your relationship style or definition with the EI perspective and see where there might be abuse or even uh, there might be hidden abuse that you didn't even know that was abusive to you so uh, let's listen on all right so let's go ahead and get started Again, whether you're uh, sitting, standing, lying down, getting comfortable for the new people, welcome. Name is Masa Jati. Uh, just as a brief, I've had two near-death experiences. And it's really, uh, after the second one, really has allowed me to well, see things from a very different perspective. Okay? Uh, the base level perspective. So most individuals see and solve uh, solve uh, from say a physical level, uh, and then there's a deeper understanding. You know, some, sometimes we call it psychology or energy frequencies or something of that nature. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> there's a level that I work on or I access, and the knowledge I call exponential intelligence. At that level, it's a core level. And what that means is that at that level, the rules or the laws that govern how we work or, or you know, basically a human handbook uh, is always consistent. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what country, what religion you were born in, the race, uh, we're all humans. So again, it goes to that core level. So the principles that I talk about will work on Every situation consistently over and over and over again. And that's why I call it so more of a scientific uh, approach to it rather than, say, emotional uh, concepts that we talk about as far as, say, rectifying relationships uh, or anything else for that matter. <clears throat> so we'll just jump uh, right in. Call two on relationships. And this is a pre-call for the abuse series coming up uh, <clears throat> beginning of the year. Uh, now, there's a reason why we postponed it for the beginning of the year. Basically, 
the intensity of frequencies that I generate for you is actually dramatically increased. So I was I was really cautious, especially on a B series because it's a very fragile say shell uh, to break or crack open for those individuals and and delete that. Uh, for many who run patterns of abuse, uh, usually from fear, control, or controlling. Um, when those patterns start to remove at such an intense level, uh, well, sometimes it gets pretty intense, uh, to, 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 or pretty hard to, to say, <clears throat> acclimate ourselves to it. Uh, it's like, it's like having surgery. So the frequencies that I generate, say that you've got, say, a tumor, and we'll call it abuse, um, I come in there just like a surgical procedure and cut it out. However, for those people who have been abused, Right. Say not the healthiest. Spiritually. That's why we've gotten abused. So just like a regular, say normal, uh, physical surgery, if you're not the healthiest, well it takes time to recover. Uh, and that's why we decided to do these free, um, uh, foundational series. Uh, we've got, we did one, you know, the concepts of abuse, how it starts. Very good if you're new. I would highly suggest listening to the foundation one just to get the basis or just to get what EI is about. Again, very, very different. It's quite eye-opening from from uh, the feedback that we've gotten on understanding abuse uh, and overcoming it. Um, <clears throat> this one is on relationships. We'll have one on um, finances, wealth, uh, on on how to become successful, um, and then also for those individuals who are successful, why they're not happy with all that success. So we're going to be covering that. Uh, and then also, uh, it's about parenting, but it, it talks about the Me Too movement. Um, those two combine because we're not brought up right. Why we have to have a Me Too movement to rectify it. So that's really interesting coming up. And then also one on health. So with this one, relationships, what destroys me, uh, nourishes me. Actually, it's a tattoo on Angela Jolie. So she basically runs uh, abuse patterns. I'm not going to get into her personal issue. It's not that's why we're not here. Uh, and uh, again, it's, it's her issues. Uh, however, there are people who think that uh, what nourishes them or what destroys them feeds feeds their soul, and it will explain why that happens for many of you. Uh, actually, as I read you, as a note, especially for those new people, uh, as I talk about something, I'll be working on you about that as well, just to prepare you uh, for a better, easier release. Once you decide to do the um, uh, the the abuse series in uh, first part of the year, if you'd like, if you don't, that's fine too. It's all up to you. So, is it true what that means for most individuals? Uh, what destroys me, nourishes me. Uh, it is true for those people who run abuse patterns. That would be true for those people who are, I would call, say, significant success patterns. Uh, it would be false. Uh, and then obviously there's people in between. So what does it mean? That means that, um, think of it this way, I'll give you an example. So what that means is that, say that you've been abused right, as a child, many of you have, 
Um, and then that was the only time you got attention. So now you crave attention. But that leads to abuse. But then one of our most basic desires or needs beyond food even is a relationship or attention or a connection with somebody else. There's been tons of studies about that. Again, it's a higher function than food. Um, In fact, studies on monkeys, they would rather go to a mother that was cuddly and warm. They had the choice uh, between that and the, the mother that had food or milk. So that's how strong it is. So we need that. But then the only way we get it is abuse. So now... Uh, our brain center, okay, and then this brain center, the, the the physical, say, act of abuse means attention to us. It transfers over, and I'll get into the detail, transfers over into our spirit space or our deep level programming, if you'd like to call it that, there, our higher self. Transfers over there, and it's like, oh, in this reality that so-and-so lives in, um, abuse means love. I'm going to offer, I'm going to send them, say, more abuse then. And then from that point on, what do you attract? You attract more abuse. Because that's what you wanted to, again, in this reality for you, abuse equals love. So going forward, if nothing happens or nothing changes, that meaning you're going to attract abuse to create attention. Now, this goes so deep that people who find loving individuals to connect with, especially in intimate situations, um, and they don't get abused in that situation, they'll start to feel uncomfortable. They're not used to not being abused while being loved. Or that's their definition. Anyway, so they would actually go and cheat on somebody or break up with that person that was good for them to find somebody who will abuse them because it will make them feel good. They even get off on it. Uh, This is the bad boy syndrome where a lot of women have. They'll, They'll leave a perfectly good man that will provide, that will provide love whatever they need, happiness, but then they don't feel that happiness, they have to go get abused somewhere. Happens all the time, by the way. Kind of strange at a common sense level, but we're not talking about common sense. We're talking about just straight out programs. It's got nothing to do with emotions. So the common sense that we talk about at a deep level, again, at at the EI level, exponential intelligence, it makes total sense. Uh, it is a Latin saying, by the way. <clears throat> so, uh, I guess the Latins, known for great lovers, um, not sure about that. Um, 
So we're going to be talking about, uh, again, a ton of stuff, uh, why people who aren't in relationships want one and why people uh, in relationships want to get out. And then what abuse has anything to do with it. It seems to be normal to human nature. Uh, and then also um, examples of what we do uh, in relationships. Um, we're going to explain how communication works in relationships. Um, and then factor fiction on some of the studies, you know, that talk about why relationships fizzle out, uh, and so on. And then also, uh, the big question is, is the passion quotient. And then we're going to get into your questions as well, the ones that we've been uh, submitted. So, lot to cover. We'll just go really quick. So, so just kick back, relax. Uh, if you're going to take notes, I would just kick back and relax this time around. And then you can take notes uh, and re-listen to it and take notes. Okay? That way it gives me a chance to, uh, again, work on you, uh, create that foundation or that, uh, or that <clears throat> aspect where we can say let go or prepare. So when we get into the re, uh, the abuse series, the actual abuse series, uh, it'll be much more in depth for you. So we're going to take relationships and we're going to approach it from a scientific perspective. And it's beneficial for all types of relationships, but we're going to be mainly focusing on, say, intimate type relationships. Most important relationship uh, is obviously about yourself or to yourself. Almost all other approaches, including psychology, resolve from an emotional approach or chemical approach. So what that means is that say you have relationship type issues, including relationship with yourself, so anxiety, depression, and so on, relationship with money, uh, your relationship with you know family. Um, physical, uh, f- physical, and then human time. Again, it's all about relationships. Uh, and then what we try to do is resolve it at a psychological level. Right? We go to a psychologist for 10, 20 years, uh, and we try to figure out what, what's wrong, and then we try to rehash those stories. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay? But 20 years or so is a long time to recover from a situation. We're talking about, say, intense transformations in a very short time. Okay? For some of us, uh, maybe just a couple of days to a couple of weeks. That's how intense uh, that we're talking about. And the reason why it gets so intense, the transformations, by the way, is say those, say it normally it takes you 20 years to go through a process and transform or longer. We're going to do it in about, say, a couple of days to say a couple of weeks. So you still go through the same level of transformations, but again, compressed into a very short time, and that's why it gets intense. A lot of changes in a short time equals intensity. So all the other approaches we've tried, right, psychology uh, or emotional or chemical approach. So some of the examples, counseling like marriage counseling, drug counseling, or any other type of counseling. Um, right now, <clears throat> you know, um, let's see, 
uh, sorry, kind of getting blank here, uh, but sexual abuse counseling. So uh, we go through emotional therapy, cognitive therapy, trauma support groups. Uh, we get take antidepressants, right? even shock therapy back in the day, uh, or uh, disciplining, or or getting beat as a child for bad behavior, right? Getting beat, punished. For bad behavior as a child. Again, those are all, say, relationship type um, scenarios or tools that have been used upon us or we've been using it to rectify. But the problem is that it doesn't go deep enough, and that's why we still have those issues. If you look at relationships, most likely uh, just scanning the group, you know, three to five, oh, well, some of you even like 10, 10, 12 type of relationship, but if you look at it overall, they're really about the same type of patterns. Why does that happen? But then if you look at it even deeper, if you look at your intimate relationships, right? if you've had several, almost all of them are pretty similar. But then if you expand out on that, at some level, your relationships with your friends would be pretty much the same. Your relationships with your parents would have the same a debt, um, flavor. Your relationships with money, your career, your relationships with self, your relationships with uh, a spiritual aspect or God or religion, if you'd like to call it, has that same flavor. So what Exponential intelligence does is goes to the core level on what that flavor is that you're running or what that's in your recipe, and then we, tr- we remove it, and that's why it's so powerful. To understand how relationships work, I have to explain how we communicate. So let me explain EI's version on how we communicate. Most of the time we think that, well, we communicate through verbal communication. Um, If you look at what psychology says, is that 97%, they say, is body language. 7% is tonality. 3% uh, is the words you use. Which is very close to what exponential intelligence talks about. Uh, this time, the 97% would be at spirit level, what they would call body language, but it goes much deeper than that. It's your, uh, it goes way beyond that, and I'll explain that in detail. Uh, the other uh, 7% is body language, tonality, and then the 3% or less is actually words. So, what's the difference? Um, so when you're texting, when you're face to face, you're ninety-seven percent on how you expect to be treated, or what uh, outcome happens in that communication has already been determined by the programs that you run. So, for example, if you run patterns of say being cheated on. Or abuse, get abused, or anything, um, being lucky, 
Say you run patterns of being lucky. Okay? At spirit level, you literally have, say, a sign, huge sign that says, hey, I'm lucky. So when two people get together, again, via text, um, um, via text or face-to-face or any other communication, email, again, 97% is predetermined on how that person is going to react towards you. The reason being is that that communication happens at a spirit level beyond the space and time factor that we exist in, beyond that space and time factor um, that we know about. So if you run patterns of abuse, for example, or happiness or good luck or good fortune or anything that you run, when you come into connection, that person takes a look at you, reads your coding, just like I do, by the way, reads your coding and says, hey, this person wants to get abused. Subconsciously, you will treat that person abusively. I know it sounds strange, but look at your relationships, look at your communication. This is why, say, the teller, if you run abusive patterns or disrespect type patterns, they won't be nice to you. I run good patterns so people, uh, I run happy patterns or be nice to me patterns. So no matter where I go, people are nice to me. They're extra helpful. By the way, I can help you attract those type of patterns. This is why relationships happen over and over and over again that treat you the same way. This is why no matter, even if you go to another country that speaks a different language other than you, that you don't even speak, they'll treat you the same way because this is an overall human-type communication. It's a spirit-type communication. It's one language. It's a global language. If you go to Mars, aliens will treat you the same way. In fact, I went to, to... uh, you know, the desert, um, they had a alien convention, and it was a group of people who were talking about um, um, being abducted by aliens. And I could read them as they walked up. Those individuals had patterns of being, say, abused. They get abused here in the physical realm. They didn't have to be abducted to get abused. So time after time, as they spoke, every one of them, again, abusive patterns. That's why aliens picked them. It's that powerful. So the pattern that I see in you, I actually see your patterns. I can see the abuse patterns or any other pattern you run at a conscious level. I can read you just full out. Just... Just as if, you know, if you were wearing something red, that plainly, I can see patterns that create you, create your personal, say, frequency signature. Most individuals, almost all individuals, on the other hand, they see that, say, at a super subconscious level, or what I call 
of uh, the quantum conscious level. And that's how communication works. So with that understanding, if you're running patterns of abuse, at a deep level like that, you always attract abuse. So some some individuals go, well, I was abused as a child, and that's why, you know, my life is the way it is. To be abused as a child, most likely that pattern goes way beyond your lifetime here. Most likely it's brought it's been brought about from a family lineage value or a previous lifetime where you've been abused. Hopefully that that answers how we communicate or why people treat you the way they do, no matter what type of relationship it is. It's. Uh, I just want to stress, it's not what you're saying, it's not what you're wearing, uh, it's not the way you look like, nothing like that. Although almost every one of us, even if we go to a psychologist or other self-help books, it's like if X happens to you, then you have to say this or we have to go counseling. That's why that stuff never works. Let's get into why relationships fizzle out. And again, the most important relationship is with yourself. And even that fizzles out. So why would that be? We even get bored of ourselves. So why relationships fizzle out? Because it's a time-based relationship. It's based on time. It's simple as that. It's got nothing to do with brain chemicals or anything like that that they talk about. It's got nothing to do with boredom. Again, boredom is is space-time. It's based on time and space. If you're in the present moment, timeless moment, right? the present moment is pretty much timeless, you'd never be bored, whether it's with yourself or other people. So let me explain a little deeper why relationships fizzle out, and then I'll explain Uh, I'll explain um, what we look for in relationships. Just one second, let me take a look at my notes here. So, uh, the way relationships work is that when we're looking for a relationship, we're looking for an aspect of ourselves to be fulfilled. Most relationships that we look for is not about love, although we might have feelings of love or what, um, what might feel like love. But in reality, 
we're just running those underlying programs that have been built within us. Again, most likely from family, from uh, generational patterns, and then from previous lifetimes. So when we walk into relationships, we're preset to have to have say a communication with uh, somebody else in a certain way, no matter what happens on the outside. So when relationships fizzle out, is because we're incomplete ourselves. Say we only have ten pieces of the puzzle. Right? We're looking for. We only have like four pieces out of the ten pieces that's out there. So what we do in relationships is that we're looking for the other six pieces of the puzzle. So we go out and find somebody, and most likely we attract of the same. Right? Birds of a feather flock together. So we'll go find somebody that's at a level four. They have four pieces of the puzzle, four out of ten. But unfortunately, they probably have of similar pieces, so those pieces do us no good. So maybe they've got two pieces of the puzzle that are different. So you've got four, they've got two that are good, so you're six. Six out of ten, so you're still four off. So at this level, most likely, and again, it's it's not about love or anything like that. That's a byproduct. Right? We have to understand that love, emotions, uh, joy, anything like that is a byproduct of where you are. So you have six pieces out of ten. You feel incomplete because you're not, again, fulfilled. So what do you do? You either break up and you find somebody else. But if you're running the same patterns, you'll most likely, again, find somebody with about six pieces or so. Or you'll go cheat with one or two or three other partners that'll try to fulfill the other four pieces that you're looking for. That's why at the lower levels of frequencies, and again, from, say, zero to about four or five, uh, that's where a lot of cheating happens. That's why a lot of infidelity and so on like that happen. That's why you need, say, multiple partners to satisfy you. Even in open marriages, open relationships, uh, swingers, things like that, uh, they think that's a, that's that cool lifestyle, it's a freedom lifestyle. In reality, it's just a ticket for them to find, say, completeness. However, they don't find completeness. So even in those Suppose open type relationships where they say so stable that they can handle say multiple relationships. It's the same pattern. They get destroyed just as well as anybody else because they can't find themselves. But you go up to a level. Say you're level at seven and eight. Say you're more complete. Right, you're fifty percent more complete. You're more stable at that level. So you're level seven and eight. So all you need is three or more. Three or um, about three pieces, um, two or three pieces, to fulfill you. So in that case, it's a lot easier to become fulfilled. And at that level, right, you're vibrating at a higher frequency. You're going to connect again. Birds of a feather flock together. You'll connect with a level, say seven or higher, which is totally fine. If they're at a higher level. 
you're, you're at a level of understanding that you can perpetuate forward into, say, level 9 or 10. So that relationship is a growth relationship. And since you're more complete, you don't need to go anywhere else. So that it's more sustaining, more fulfilled. Um, you don't have to go cheat or have uh, affairs if you don't like the word cheating. Because again, that person fulfills or completes. Let me take that back. It doesn't, that person doesn't say complete you. It enhances your completion. It's a better way of putting it. Most individuals look at relationships to complete themselves. And that's why relationships fizzle out. If you will at level 10, again, complete on your own, you connect with a person with a level 10, again, uh, 8 to 10 level. Those are the type of relationships where you see those old couples still holding hands. And if you've noticed, they feel really youthful, a lot younger than what they look like. Because they're stuck in a no-time zone. They can hold hands, not have to do anything, not have to talk, because they can, can communicate at a much higher level. They can just sit there and smile. They can spend all day on the couch without having to do anything, without even separating. They can just hang out and just be. Why? Because they're complete on their own. They don't need that other person to complete them. However, when you hang out with a person that is complete and you're both running of similar ingredients, right? so you're attracted to each other, it just enhances. So this is the twin flame, scenario, uh, twin flame scenario that we talked about. When you come together, you just want to be in that space. This is where discomfort, there is none. You can sit there and be quiet for hours at a time. There's no discomfort. This is where you don't have to say separate and go for a walk or anything like that. And there's no need for separation. The reason why people need to separate, and we'll talk about that in the passion quotient, is because they're pulling away so they can reflect on the emptiness that they are. Otherwise, they would merge in and they would destroy each other. So, so as you look at my explanations, notice that there's no emotions involved. It's just straight out uh, logic or physics. Just like gravity, right? The laws of gravity are certain in this reality. They have mathematical equations around it. That's how certain it is. It works every time. Same thing here with the laws of relationships through exponential intelligence. No matter who it is, uh, again, if you're running those patterns, you get the same results. So now we know why relationships fizzle out, because relationships are time-bound, not timeless. And now we know why uh, they're time-bound.
Let's get into hmm. Let's get into personal relationships. Some of the fun stuff here. First, let me explain why some abused become abusers and others don't. And then we'll take it into a lighter tone. Just one second here. If you've ever noticed, it could be some of you as well listening, you get abused as a child. And then you would think that that should never happen again, especially, you know, the tragedy that you went through. However, you become a parent yourself or you get married or connected to somebody. You abuse your spouse and then you have kids and then you abuse your kids as well. So what's that loop? It doesn't make sense. Because most individuals, if they get abused, you would think that it's so bad that they would never abuse somebody else. But why do they? So EAI's explanation on that is that it's not about the abuse. It's about the patterns that you run. So there's a global say, setting or a global program that that is underlying that abuse pattern. So let me explain. <clears throat> so those people who tend to be abusers when they get abused, okay, they need to fulfill themselves. So why, well, why abusers in the first place? Why do people need to abuse themselves? I talked about that in the first, in the foundational, but I'll talk briefly about it. So, so abusers really abuse people because it puts them into the time moment. It puts them into the present moment. And that's why abusees, people who get abused, they're a lot stronger, although they might not think it, because they're in in time. They're connected to time. And I know it sounds kind of strange, because most abusees think of themselves as weak. But in reality, the abusees, the ones that get abused, are much more complete because they're more in time. They're more aware of their surroundings. They're here. They're more sensitive to their surroundings. That's why you're sensitive. The abusers get attracted to people like you because they float around in time and that's why they're so scared and insecure. Not up their upbringing. It's not because they're ugly or whatever else that we think about. They literally cannot connect in time. So what do they do? To connect in time, they either create drama. Some people do, or they get attracted to somebody who's already anchored into the present moment. And it's not just about holding on to them. That's that suffocating love, by the way, that a lot of mothers do. They would hold on to their child 
so strongly. I'll talk about that in just a second. And that's another form of abuse. But what happens is that you're floating around, right? You get distorted, you get disoriented, you need to latch on to somebody. And it's not about just latching on. You need to pulverize them to say, come into their time frame. So come into their essence to feel safe. That's why you abuse them. Abuse puts you into the present moment. It's like if you hurt yourself. Pulls you into the present moment. You forget about everything else. Right? It settles you in. That's the number one reason why people abuse other people. Because they feel in control. So, you might think that abusers need control of that person, and they do, but the real reason why they want control because it's nothing that they can latch onto, say, at a mental level. The real reason is why they want control of a person or a group is because they lose time, they lose track of time, they want control, and that's the real control that they want. So they, they would latch onto somebody who's in time. Think about it, and you'll see why abusers abuse, and then abusees get abused. By the way, it's the same coin, just different sides. Whether you're abused or abuse, uh, an abuser or being abused. So why do why do abusers tend to abuse? So if you're disconnected from time, you're disconnected from time, somebody abuses you. I'm sorry. Somebody abuses you, you get disconnected from time as well. So now what happens to get you back in control of time, you've been abused so much, you get, again, disconnected, disoriented yourself. So what do you do? You turn around and start controlling other people to get you back in time. And that's why that perpetual abuse pattern runs. For those people who get abused, but that abuse even, say, puts them more solidly in time, they start to understand the patterns of abuse. They strengthen from it. They move on and they don't have to abuse other people. They learn from it again and grow and expand. That's why they don't have to abuse in the future. It's an interesting concept. And again, it works in every situation. Uh, if you don't understand it, think about it. And it makes perfectly sense. Makes perfect sense. Let's get into some uh, personal relationships, fact or fiction. Uh, decrease in chemicals uh, are responsible for romantic and sexual desires. This is from BBC News, uh, News Health uh, section. Research conducted by Enzo Emilia uh, at the University of Pavia 
found that levels of a chemical messenger called nerve growth factor, NGF, increased with romantic intensity. After one to two years, NGF levels had reduced to normal. In fact, the love molecule can disappear as early as 12 months after a relationship has started. So that fact or fiction. It's fact because that's what happens. But what is the reason that happens? From an EI point of view, let me just explain. Is that the reason why those chemicals go down is what I discussed about earlier. That person gets dissatisfied with the other individual because they can't find themselves. They can't find that completeness. And as they can't find that completeness, they get distraught. They fall out of love. And as they fall out of love, well, obviously the chemicals go down. It's not because the chemicals go down and they fall out of love. That's the mistake in those studies. There's a lot of psychological studies that I've read. I wish I had more. Um, and maybe we'll do another podcast on those. But again, it's not because chemicals go down, we fall out of love. We follow out of love, chemicals go down. To prove it to you, those individuals who are connected, those individuals who are a level 10, 8 to 10, why do their chemicals not go down? Why do their chemicals keep perpetuating forward? Those people who are in a timeless relationship, like I talked about, like that old couple, why do their chemicals don't go down? So those are the couples that we have to study, not the ones that fall out of love, because a lot of things can happen with that. So that would be fiction in my book. Let's go ahead and take a, a deep breath in as we continue on. And let me address um, why abuse has anything to do with relationship problems. Because a lot of times people go, well, I wasn't abused. So let me define abuse. And again, if you were on the first call, you'd understand. But let me define abuse. So abuse is anything that keeps you off your mark or off your path. So if you think about, say, relationships that destroy you, again, it's a way to pull you off your path. Okay? There's obviously minimum levels of abuse to extreme levels of abuse. Again, all aspects just pull you off your path uh, from a slight to a large extent. So, um, I want to get back to what I talked about, the suffocating mother scenario. Okay. Uh, in that relationship, such, well, like, since I brought it up, let me just cover it. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be covered in, in, uh, uh, in, the, uh, in another aspect, but I'll just cover it up now because a lot of people are wondering. So, so the reason why I said that is is very similar to the abuse type patterns 
is in the reason why I call it abuse. So there's a lot of mothers who are suffocating and they're so loving. And I see this all the time. You know, kids, uh, and they go, you know, they're older adults now. So like my mother just loved me to death. She was the best person ever. She loved you so much though that she didn't allow you to do anything else. She wouldn't let you do things for yourself. She loved you that much. Okay? Again, that we might consider that love, but in, in reality, it's an abuse pattern. So those, and that's why, again, a lot of relationship issues are some form of abuse. That's why you're in the situation that you're in. That's why you, you don't or can't attract uh, organic type relationships. So to explain this is that what happens is that, say, that mother or father is very insecure. The same way that abuser will latch on to you because you're an anch- you know you're an anchor to that person, right? It'll they'll keep you. They um, your child can connect you or keep you in time. So instead of abusing that per- that child, what do you do? You suffocate them with love. You do everything for them. Just so, just so they trust you enough that they allow you in their space. Again, it's the same pattern. It's just a different side of it. They allow you in your, their space. Even when you die, you know that you've got a space. In fact, that's what happens to a lot of people. A lot of children, their elders or their parents die. They've loved them so much. They don't cross over. They die. They come back right in and they nestle into you. That's why you, you, you grow old the same way they did. You have to start having the same illnesses the way your parents did. And by the way, professional abusers, you know, like cults and so on like that, they have a thing, they have a person that's called a keeper. So they groom these kids, but they won't, the way they groom is, is that they'll do everything for that child. Uh, they won't let them brush their hair, brush their teeth, anything, wash themselves. So they grow older, and then they can't get away from their groomers or their abusers because they don't know how to handle society. So what do they do? They feel comfortable with their abusers. Again, suffocating mothers or suffocating loved ones like that, grandmothers, uh, grandfathers, fathers, very similar pattern. But nobody looks at it that way. They just look at it as, oh, they were just very loving. Again, I'm not dishonoring anybody, but that's just straight out patterns very similar to abusive type patterns. Let's get on to another factor fiction. Uh, Men need variety and women need monogamy. Throughout the centuries, uh, that's what we've just thought. Uh, A recent study found uh, that it's actually the opposite. There's a reason why that is, though. Um, because again, women are trying to find themselves. They connect with a mate that's not complete. It, they don't complete themselves. So 
they they cheat. Um, the treatment of women throughout history, women involved has been suppressed. Um, I was just at the Tower of London, uh, and there was a lot of beheadings on of women. Uh, again, for cheating. So obviously that's not true, but however, uh, and that's a chemical standpoint. It's part of our DNA on both sides to find uh, the perfect mate, by the way. It's got nothing to do with, um, um, you know, dishonoring uh, the other person. It's about finding that perfect mate. Again, it's ingrained within our DNA system. Uh, marriage throughout history, another aspect of that, uh, has never been for love. A lot of times it's, uh, it's been put uh, for countries to get together, uh, different religions to get put together. Uh, for security, a lot of women don't marry for love. They marry for security. Then most people think that, uh, again, most people think that guys cheat for sex. Uh, in fact, it's for companionship. They go to a wife that's not, uh, that, that doesn't listen. And again, vice versa as well. They go to a spouse, right? They go back home. They don't listen. They're always complaining. So what do they do? They need that companionship. Again, that's above food. They get attracted to somebody that starts to listen to them. So the number one reason why I say uh, people cheat is companionship and then sex. And again, most individuals, well, let me ask you, why did you get married? Probably wasn't for love. It's probably for insecurity, wanting that connection, or not wanting to lose that person. If you were in love with that person, like true love, exponential intelligence, definition of love, um, you wouldn't have to get married to secure your relationship. So this should answer why again aren't why people aren't having steamy sex. But here's more. Even if they're you know, even if that person is a ten hunk, a number ten, yeah, I'm sorry, a number ten, woman's a, a number ten, or you know, the guy's just a hunk. But then there's no steamy sex, or the steamy sex doesn't continue. It's because of what we talked about earlier. Again, no matter what you look like, if those puzzle pieces don't get met, there's no attraction there. 
So attraction goes much deeper than, say, skin deep or pocket deep, like some people think. You know, talking about pocket deep, I'm sure you've heard a lot of mothers go, don't worry, dear. You know, uh, he's a doctor or he's a lawyer. He's got money. You'll learn to love him. That happens a lot, especially in the older cultures. And most people, unfortunately, they don't learn to love the other person. Obviously not hot in bed. Let's get on to uh, testing your uh, passion quotient. And then we'll... Then we'll get into the answers. Uh, I'm sorry, some of the questions that you had. So, testing your passion quotient. And uh, very simple. Just a couple of questions for you. Can you sit together without having to say anything, without having to get, uh, without getting uncomfortable? Can you just be together without texting, having to go to a movie, anything like that? That's two questions. One, can you just sit there without talking, just being, without getting uncomfortable? Second question can you just hang out all day? Not really doing anything, just chit-chatting. And just hanging out with each other. Without, again, having to go to a movie. Or creating any other excuse to keep yourself busy. During sex, do you have to plan time or organize say, sex like a date night because you're too tired? It's been a hectic day. Kids, do you have to plan for sex or does it naturally? happen. People who are in timeless relationships, who aren't, let's say, abused by a relationship, they don't have to have date nights. Every night is date night. Three, was that four? When you want sex from your partner, you have to create a lot of foreplay. So do you have to, say, prepare your partner, warm them up, you know, bring them flowers or be nice to them or whatever? Right? Certain steps that you have to to get them into the mood. 
Or are you always in that foreplay status where you're always teasing or whatever that you're doing all day long? Even if you're tired, you always have time or room to be playful with each other. Again, foreplay, no matter what happens. By the way, being tired, um, that's part of the success and wealth, why people aren't happy when they're successful, why relationships fizzle out in that scenario. So we won't talk about it then here. We'll talk about it there. But again, was that a yes or no? Um, and the last question, after orgasm, one or the other, or both orgasms, um, what do you do? Do you have to excuse yourself? Do you have to leave? Did something come up? Or if you're married, do you then say separate? One sleeps on one side of bed, the other on the other side. Or there's separation in between the two of you. Or again, some type of discomfort. Or after orgasm, can you just hold on to each other and get even stronger so that orgasm, especially for women, starts to continue or continues like even hours after they can still feel uh, their orgasm or their orgasm again. So that's your passion quotient. See where you are. So if you're not, say, at an optimal level, at some level there's some form, say, of abuse happening for us, whether it's minimal or extreme. Let's, get, um, let's jump into the questions. And, well... These are questions that we've uh, accumulated over time. Uh, I've never understood the degree of struggle in my life, uh, and I can uh, and I can now make sense of it by seeing that I've been faced with almost every level of human suffering in order to really know pain, so that I maybe can understand it at a raw level, so as it to be able to help others through. Sometimes I believe I've pulled myself through, but lately I don't know. How do I heal? Is it possible? Um, not exactly understanding the question of your struggle. So the the degree and struggle in your life, basically what you're saying, if I get it right, uh, Joanna, is that you're suffering to help other people understand their suffering. Um, that's never the case. 
a lot of people think that way through, say, religious paradigms. It's like, well, I'm suffering in this lifetime. And it's not your, say, religious paradigm. But if you run, uh, and again, tapping into Joanna, um, so your main issue, again, didn't quite understand the question, but hopefully this will answer it for you. And then for other people who uh, run of similar patterns, um, say your your family, long lineage history of, say, religious type patterns. Okay? Obviously not the most congruent type patterns. So, so there's a lot of suffering in those in that paradigm. So what we do by the time it gets to us again, in hundreds of years of religion, gets to you, um, and just like everything else, um, what happens is that um, um, you just run, you, you create a, sh- uh, a shortcut, and basically it's like, okay, I have to suffer. Every aspect of my life has to be suffering to be a good person, or I have to suffer to allow other people to enhance their lives, to ascend higher. Uh, and then I get good points to go to heaven. Uh, it doesn't work out that way. If you're suffering at this level, you're going to be suffering on the next level. And it doesn't help. If you're suffering to help other people, since you're resonating frequencies of suffering, right? uh, and let's just put suffering as, say, um, a virus. Say you've got a virus called suffering. Right? When you help other people, you're just spreading that virus. It doesn't benefit them. It doesn't get them stronger. It's really that simple. This is from Ruby. Uh, can you talk about self-abuse? Uh, how we can continue to abuse ourselves even after separating from abusive relationships? Um, so I talked about that. If you're running patterns of abuse, right, you would have to attract some form of abuse right, from other people. In this case, self-abuse. Again, it has to be fulfilled. The reason why people self-abuse, especially, for example, say Ruby here, um, what happens is that well, she gets disconnected from time. She gets separated from herself, basically. Um, this is very similar to, well, hopefully most of you have had an experience of fainting or passing out, right? Do you, do you, do you, do you feel that loss of self? And this is just for, say, a brief moment. And I'm not talking about passing out if you're drunk because you're not, you can't be conscious of what's happening. But people pass out, you know, if they stand up too quickly or, Right, that sense of loss just for that mere second. Now imagine that perpetuating day after day, month after month, year after year. That space where you start to lose consciousness. Again, it's it's because of you lose your identity or your coordinates in time. The best way to do that, or come back to it, if nobody's around to abuse you. Again, that puts you in time. So abuse yourself. It's like pinching yourself if, uh, to find out if you're awakened or not. Right? <clears throat> and then she goes on to say, if we're actively running abuse patterns, are we? Um, are all of our relationships abusive in some way? Yes, of course. Exactly. Uh, even relationships with God. God will abuse you. 
obviously it's not God, it's your rendition of God. Uh, and I see that's happened to you. Uh, and this is where people go, why has God forsaken me? Hasn't. It's just that you run those patterns. Is not acknowledging our power, the truth of who we really are, spiritually abusive? Um, yes. And that's why I say abuse, whether it's extreme or minimum. If it takes you off your path of not finding who you are, not connecting to pure source, it's abusive. So that would mean good or bad things. That would mean like you make a ton load of money and it destroys you. Again, it's not about the money. It's not about the level of money. But if you make the money and it destroys you, puts you out of, say, focus or off your path, it's abusive. If somebody, you see, abuses you, beats the hell out of you, again, off your path, it's abusive. Just different forms. This is from Tino. What's the story behind people who think they are being abused by someone, but in reality, aren't? And the mere side of it, some people don't think they're being abusive, but in reality, they are. Great question. Uh, so what's the story behind people who think that they're being abused by someone, but in reality, aren't? So they run, say, self in, in, um, self-inflicting patterns. So if they're not abusing themselves, so like in private, those people that those people that think that people are abusing them, in private they would literally abuse themselves some way. They would like talk in the mirror, uh, you know, and criticize themselves and so on and so on. In public it just makes it easier to say point a finger at somebody outside of you, go, hey, Guys abusing me. That's the reason why. And then the mere side of it, some people don't think that they're being abusive, but in reality they are. Same thing. Uh, those people who don't think that they're abusive, right, they try to be extra nice, just like that suffocating mother. Right? Same pattern, they don't think that they're being abusive. They try to be extra nice, overbearing. Well, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm not, I'm not overbearing. I'm not pushy. I'm not whatever. Again, the reason why is they're trying to anchor themselves to feel concrete or complete by using somebody else's present moment status. Um, this is from Katie. I'm confused about the distinction of being in control versus abuse control. Mm, not sure about why. Um, can you elaborate on self-control that was stressed uh, as advancing speeding up versus the self-controlling perfectionist uh, that rages inside me? Uh, my day revolves around trying to control myself, then failing, then hating myself. Got it. So... Mm, a little confused about the question, Katie, so I'll just tap into you. Uh, oh, so. so the reason why, I can see what you're saying now. Okay, so the first part of your question, I'm confused about the distinction of being in control versus abuse control. So the reason why you want to be in control, okay? uh, and this is another form of abuse, 
allowing other people or other personalities or other frequencies to penetrate your space. It's bad enough that physical people can, say, penetrate or abuse your space, your identity. Happens on the flip side as well. So you've got a spirit, you've got another identity that comes into Katie. So when you're in control, you feel solid when you are in control. Right? And that's good. That's confidence. It's not abusive. But what happens, the abuse control is that somebody tries to derail you. Unfortunately, that somebody is inside you. It's another identity, another personality. Is it you? No. It's almost like a friend or a sister type feel. Um, they might have crossed over or their personality was so strong that you, they abused you or they controlled you so strongly. Say like a mother. Um, and it could be your mother. And the reason why I can't tell is, um, your mother might not run a mother type frequency. She's more of a, a sister that you would have to take care of. That kind of feel. Right? Um, say they picked on you so much. Now they're gone. But they, they, they were there. They're picking on you. They're destroying you every day. It became a habit. You created a personality of them. Another a presence or an essence of them so real that they're with you all the time, although physically they're not there. So it's part of your pain body now. So that consciousness now, again, it's created another presence, another, another, say, another entity within you. And now it's abusing you. Just like, say, your mother would have. Or it seems like you took care of your mother. So... Yeah, so that would be a sister type type relationship. Um, anyway, so when that say presence controls you completely, that's abusive control. So, so the perfectionist in you that rages inside you is literally about you think, and this is what happens if you're if you're if either somebody else controls you or you're out of time or you get, say, pulled into other realities because you can't control being in the present. You try to be so perfect because in the detail, in that precision, it pulls you into time so distinctly, and that's why. Right? So if you're vague about things, right, you still get to float around. But basically, as you become detailed, precise, you can latch on to something so precise, it makes you feel good, almost euphoric, almost orgasmic, I think, at some time for you. That's why. Uh, and that's why a lot of people are who are perfectionists. That's the reason why, by the way. Um, I could, well, uh, I would do an IG, industrial group healing session. With me, I can help you remove that other entity. Um, or if I've, if you've been here before, um, and I've worked on you, it's that pattern, say leaving. I can see that as well, but as it leaves, it comes out, uh, even more. 
this is from Cindy. Moss, you say that pain body serves us. Um, it has a purpose. Uh, do we no longer need the pain body to serve us, or do we need to help it focus so it benefits us? Uh, the pain body, um, basically it's an efficiency system turned into a pain body. Um, uh, Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, has a chapter on the pain body. So basically it's an efficiency system. This is where you don't have to remember how to tie your shoes every time. This is where you don't have to remember, uh, the path that you take your work all the time. Again, it's, right, it's created an automatic system for you. Again, it's because of efficiency. Otherwise, it'd be new. But what happens is that it becomes rote for you, right? And as it becomes rote, it disconnects you from time or you get disconnected from time. So if you look at it, most of people's lives are rote. It's hypnotic. Most people go through the day, again, abusive patterns without being in the moment, without living life. They're running on automatic. Again, that efficiency system. Okay? Gone awry because we've uh, lost control of it. So other presences, other people start to know your weaknesses, especially if they're on the other side. You get to see the weaknesses or just your enemies know your weaknesses right away. Do you, have you ever wondered why that happens? How can they figure out the weaknesses? They can just read you. They can scan you. They use that aspect of it. Penetrate your pain body. Now they have an inside control. You can't eliminate it, but you can bring it back into control as an efficiency system. You need that. It's part of you. It's like uh, trying to get rid of your arm if it's not serving you well. Again, uh, it's part of you. This is from Patty. How can one identify self-abuse patterns versus attracting abuse patterns in relationships? It's really the same thing. Whether you're doing it to yourself or outside resources. It's all about you uh, being abused. It's from Linda. What does a healthy, loving relationship look like from an EI perspective? Kind of explain that. Uh, we can go into more detail. Um, what happens is... That, uh, so I'll explain a loving relationship. Um, and this is this is how we get a little distorted or a little confused on 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 say attracting loving relationships or creating a loving relationship. We think that if we can spread all we need to do is spread love <clears throat> on a relationship and then it'll grow. But in reality, you know, say you want love, a loving relationship, right? An EI perspective, organic type relationship, um, which is actually the optimum what happens is that it's like, okay, you know, I put an order for this. It's what I want. And then what happens is that, you know, your spirit comes in and it's like, oh, okay, you want this. Uh, let's look at, let's look at, you know, the pattern that you're running. And then it shows you all the patterns that are keeping you from uh, running an organic relationship and deletes it. So the key word that it deletes or removes it, 
So it's a little tougher. It, so, and that's why people have a little harder time because it shows you all the weaknesses that you have or all the reasons why you don't have an organic relationship. Once you get rid of those, your natural pattern or your buoyancy, um, right, you, the way you float is organic relationships. That's just a natural for you. It's not anything special. That's the way you're normally supposed to be. Most people think that where they are, because well, most of humanity is where they are, this is the normal status. It's not. We were designed to be non-abusive, again, on the path. Anything outside of that is abusive. So um, let me put in another example as well. You've got a house. You want to improve, improve it, right? So instead of just putting paint on it, what do we do? You know, you hire some contractors. You do it yourself. You look at all the places that are broken, that needs fixing up, needs tearing apart. You fix all those, and then you have a house that's livable. Same thing with organic relationships. What you want in organic relationships or anything it's the reverse happens. You remove the reverse and then you float into it. You don't add, again, whatever that you want. You remove what's not working. Really a fine note or distinction. Um, So a uh, relationship in this um, this uh, this goes to the other question as well. Qualities of a characteristics attributes of a healthy loving relationship. Um, and again, you don't have to be a level eight or ten, but I would suggest you know uh, from a, from that t- uh, ten piece puzzle example, you should be at least a level five or six. Before you get into a relationship, again, on your on your road on on the road to being complete. Again, most people are incomplete. They attract relationships to feel complete. It doesn't work out. Okay? So once you practice EI, doing the 21 days or anything that we do, the B series, what happens is that it forces you to become independent, even if you're in a relationship. It doesn't mean that you break or get divorced or anything like that, but you pull away, you start to understand your weaknesses and strengths, turn those weaknesses into strength. You get to, say, five, six, seven, eight pieces of the puzzle. Perfect time for a relationship. You start to attract an organic type relationship. That relationship will help you grow and expand and get stronger stronger. So an organic relationship, is a relationship that you unite together right, to perpetuate you further or closer helps you attract uh, connecting the pure source even stronger on your own, but then you do it together. Although the other person can support you and you can support the other person, it's not an always type balance. Right? You can go on it on your own, but sometimes it's just easier. That's what relationships are for. Um, very loving. Always a growth type pattern. Um, it's always a timeless pattern. So that relationship you come home to, 
right? And it regenerates you rather than destroys you. Um, it's always a place for completeness, for security. It's a place of growth. Um, I'm not going to talk about, say, the women aspect of the man role. Uh, that's in the relationship series uh, that I've done in the past or will probably redo. Um, when we get into the Stronger Woman um, significant woman series, significant male series. So we're going to get into that. But again, like the timeless relationship. Sex is fantastic. It's timeless. It goes beyond, say, the physical orgasm. It gets into the spiritual orgasm aspect of it. Uh, and lasts, again, for hours, uh, especially for women. Uh, that connection, say, it gets entangled even more, although there's a sense of separation and identity. So you can pull, pull, pull back and notice your own strength, your completeness, your grandness that you are when you re- when you connect again during sexual interaction and otherwise um, it's having dinner or anything else that you do is an entanglement that becomes euphoric again a timeless space it's almost like um, being high without drugs uh, as we awaken and attract people to us. Uh, how can we know if the other person is on a level of awakening equal or greater to us? Um, well, that's a process. So, and I can't give you all the details, but people who, again, go through the process, they start to understand or they start to realize. Say, for example, that I help you. Um, this happens all the time. So I help you with relationships. You have issues with abusive relationships. I, you know, I work on you through the 21 days, IGHs or whatever else, the abuse series. Uh, and then what happens is that you'll attract somebody that is probably your worst nightmare date. So it's a, it's a cumulative total of all the dates that you've had that's been, well, distorting. It doesn't mean that it didn't work, but but what happens is that you connect with that person and you see at a conscious level, it's like, holy crap. This person reminds me of my past exes that I've had. This person reminds me of how they abused me and so on and so on. It's for you to say no. It's for you to see those patterns that did not work for you and say no to that's how you know, and that's how you get selective. And as you start to awaken, you'll start to see the attributes, whether it's a, uh, you know, again, from both sexes, from money, from all aspects of your life, those attributes that are abusive to you, you say no to. Just by being aware and going, that's not right for me anymore. That was my old pattern. All you have to do, again, confirming those deletions that I've helped you with, and then those uh, those attributes that you like in people. Whether you watch a couple that's walking down the street, it's like, wow, I like that their connection. Right? You start to copy their patterns. You're agreeing to say that pattern that they're running, and it starts to manifest in you. So that's the process. Uh, we've heard you mention that a level 8 or 9 should be a relationship uh, with another level 8 or 9. What if we are at level 5, 6 in the awakening process? Should we wait to enter a relationship until we have cleared uh, and awaken more? Uh, what if we are in a relationship now? Uh, will it fall away or evolve? Great question. Again, if you're at level 5, 6, 
preferably a six or higher. It's a fantastic time to get into relationships. Um, if you're in a relationship already, and then you start working with me. Okay? What happens is that as you ascend high, you resonate at a different frequency. The needs that you have obviously very different. Right? We talked about the programs, right? We eliminate those programs. You don't need those needs anymore. Or whatever they might be, destructive needs. Right? So your partner would either have to say accommodate to your new needs or the relationship it has to fade away. It just it just can't sustain itself. It's like a physical. Uh, uh, it's just well again straight out physics. Okay? You cannot sustain uh, the old level of relationship for you anymore. A lot of times, what happens though? Say one spouse awakens, it forces the other, and the other spouses, the other spouse is not doing anything with me or anything. It forces the other person to awaken. Because as you awaken, your loved ones, your kids, your parents, whoever you work with, your spouse for gets forced to change because you've changed. So if they start to change with you, they go with you, um, then you get closer, stronger. Even if you're a level three, let's say you start to awaken, you get level four, five, six, your partner goes, oh, wow, she's ascending higher. I want to go there. Or it's like, wow, she's ascending higher. Uh, I'm going to try to pull, pull her down, so on. So either way, but you can't get pulled down, by the way. So there's no worries there, although it just gets tougher for you. And so it's one way or the other. It can't stay the same. Uh, is marriage an outdated legal art arrangement for many awakening spirits, uh, since there is a sense of attachment or something outside of ourselves? Um, no, not really, but marriage is not done right. Again, most marriage is not made, uh, is not, uh, marriage is not for the sake of love. Marriage is, uh, is for the sake of commitment. Insecurities, not losing that person. Just like those locks in, 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 um, in Paris, you know, the bridge of locks. They're not there. Those people aren't there for love. Uh, they're so damn insecure that they have to lock, you know, their relationship. So that's a symbol of being insecure. You should see some of those locks. They're, they're freaking huge. That's how insecure is. Almost like a chastity belt for that person. Again, that's how most marriages or security uh, blanket for people, uh, especially after you get divorced. I believe that's one of the main reasons why people get married. It solidifies their future in case they get divorced. So marriage done the right way, right? the original way should be. Uh, I shouldn't say it the original way, because the original way was again creating security or bringing two countries together. Um, but in its proper way, the EI way, right? you fall in love, uh, and there's no commitment. You don't even have to go, hey, we're dating now. You don't even have to say that. You just fall. You just attract each other. You can't even get away from each other. Even if you tried, as you say, come back or attract once that awakening is happening. Obviously, it's always good. And this is where, say like, Say a person's married, uh, they fall, they connect to their, say, optimum individual, 
right? No matter what that person does, no matter how honorable that person is, say, in that relationship with marriage and so on like that. So-called honor, it just depends on who you're honoring. Are you honoring yourself or are you honoring the other person, right? But anyway, the two people get connected. They're level eight together uh, and they resonate with the same recipe, let's say. So not all level eights are going to attract each other, you know, so it's not going to be just like group, uh, you know, group connection. Again, obviously, there's different scenarios, preferences, things like that. Um, but anyway, you get connected together. Uh, whether you're with a, in a marriage or not, that connection comes together no matter what you do. That connection, say, exists and it has to perpetuate itself. Again, it's a straight physics. It doesn't care about marriage. It doesn't care about other relationships or any aspect like that. Just like water going downhill, it finds the easiest path. Right? To propel itself into balance and harmony. So these two individuals, they get connected and it creates balance or harmony. Although initially it might get a little destructive, especially if that person is married. But again, towards the end, not the end, but after all that's over with, then it's usually quicker because you're perpetuated by pure source. That higher connection, okay, that higher purpose. Um, uh, they come into a balance and harmony. Uh, Coco, do we need to forgive our abusers to heal or be forgiven? Uh, no, not at all. Because uh, most people have issues forgiving their abusers. So that's like you have to force yourself to love yourself before you can love others. That's pretty hard to do too, especially if you're in a place where you're dark. You know, uh, especially if you're a place that you always are uh, picking on yourself. Or other people are picking on you, especially if you have, say, some other personality, uh, as in, um, um, as in food abuse, anorexia, and so on like that. There's usually another personality that destroys or picks on you. So it's pretty hard to, say, love yourself. But the best thing to do is about understand the patterns that you run. Notice the patterns on how you get abused rather than the abuse itself. Notice how you attract those patterns. Notice, say, how your emotions. This is where I say don't trust your emotions until you calibrate them. Okay? Notice how you fall in love and then that love turns into abuse. Notice the emotions that got you into that space. And as you do, you'll see that you can break away from those patterns. And that's where um, that's where you start to heal yourself. Well, uh, thanks for staying on the call. It looks like that's it. Uh, we went about 40 minutes over. Hopefully that uh, answered a lot of questions. Again, this is a nice foundational space for you. Um, and again, working on you, again, creating, generating frequencies on what I was talking about to help uh, dislodge you from those old patterns. So if and when you're ready to, say, connect with the abuse series, um, it gives you, one, a clear uh, rendition of, say, which series you'd prefer, or all of them, um, or if you'd like to do the B-series at all. 
So again, it's all up to you. Uh, good luck, guys. Take care. And as we come to the conclusion of uh, relationships, what destroys you nourishes you. If you think this relationship series would be beneficial to somebody, uh, please pass it on. Right? And look forward to uh, the abuse series intensive uh, online at masajani.com. Notice what you notice. And as always, notice the details of what you notice.